Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Thank you, Pastor Ernie. Wow. Good morning, River Lifers, brothers and sisters. You know, the last time I preached to such a crowd was pre-COVID, more than two years ago. And, you know, it's such a joy and privilege to be able to see all of us here gathered in His sanctuary. How many of us feel the presence of God here this morning? Amen. Many of you, many of us. And indeed, the river is flowing. And wherever the river flows, it will bring life. From a trickle to a gush. And that's our message and our focus um, for this season, for this year. Um, Something happened to me a few months ago. On the 9th of January, 2022, I was here delivering my message. And I feel led to apologize to the church for some of the things that happened in the past. And at the end of the second service, Brother Morgan came down to Pastor Lionel and Pastor Lionel gestured to me, don't leave the stage yet, and announced that Brother Morgan wants to accept this apology on behalf of the congregation and give me a a warm hug. And that was the first unscripted thing (laughs) that I ever experienced on stage. And when he gave me that hug, from the words of Pastor Lionel, he could feel electricity going through him. And when he gave me that hug, I could feel a shift in the spiritual atmosphere. It's almost as if a lid was removed in our midst. And after we come down from stage, Brother Morgan shared this word in Isaiah 43 verse 19 to me, which I believe is a rhema word from the Lord for this season. Isaiah 43 verse 19, I'll read it out to all of you. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The verse starts with the word behold. God is catching our attention. God is catching our attention because for the most part of the last two years, we have been distracted. Number two, God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing in our midst. So for some of us that are still holding on to the past, in fact, verse 18 says, forget it. Forget what happened in the past because if you hold on to the past, it's very hard to embrace the new. The third thing is that it requires a birthing of the new thing at the Kairos moment. Now it shall spring forth. Shall we not know it? What is the new thing that God is stirring in our midst? I believe it will give us direction because God says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and it will give us refreshment. God will cause a river to flow 
in the desert, even in the wilderness. So, so for some of us here, we might be facing wilderness moments in our life. You may not be in the best spiritual position or place, but take heart because God will break in in a very special way. What's the revelation? You know what, brothers and sisters, if there's one thing I would like you to know is that God wants us to have regular corporate encounters with the presence of God. I'll repeat that. God wants us to have regular corporate encounters with the presence of God. Because church is not about observing God. Church is about experiencing God. It's about encountering God. And some of us, we need to encounter God afresh. We need to break our old paradigms, our old ways of thinking, our old stereotypes. And we need to receive fresh revelation of who God is. Some of us, we are going to hear the voice of God speaking to us so clearly. We are going to receive breakthroughs. We are going to have signs and wonders in our midst. We are going to have miracles. We are going to have healing. Today, our topic is God is light. He is a God who reveals. He is a God that cannot wait to show us who He is. Brothers and sisters, the world is getting darker and darker. I did not say that. The newspaper just communicated that to you. But we are called to shine in the midst of the darkness. And you can only shine to the degree you understand God. You can only shine to the degree that you encounter God's light because there is no light that can originate from you. You can only reflect the glory of God. So, we're going to read today's scripture. I'm going to invite all of you to stand. We're going to read from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 9, and I'm going to pray for all of us, shall we? 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. Together. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Blessed be the reading of God's Word. Father, we just thank You, Lord, for this morning that, God, we can gather once again, Lord, to hear Your Word for us. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that, God, this morning, God, that Your light will break in to this sanctuary, Lord, that we will not just have a cognitive understanding of the light of God, but, Lord, we will have an experience. Lord, we will have an encounter. Lord, that truth will sink 18 inches down to our hearts, Lord, and it will lead us to behold You. It will lead us to worship You from a much deeper place. So, Lord, Father, hide Your servant behind the cross this morning. God, and help me, Lord, Father, God, to, uh, Lord, to communicate Your Word with simplicity, with authority. God, thank You, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please have a seat.
We read from that passage, 1 John 1 starts with verse 5. It says, it begins with the message of Jesus. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. And Jesus himself, he mentioned that he is the light of the world. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So my first point is that Jesus came to reveal the Father as light of the world. That's what the mission of Jesus is. Because until and when God shows you, there is no way to understand God. The lesser cannot understand the greater unless he's enabled. So Jesus reveals a loving father. Jesus came showing the life of God. And because God is a relational God, he is eager to tell us who he is. Reading from John chapter 17, verse 3, the words of Jesus, Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, the definition of eternal life, the definition given by Jesus here, is that we receive a full revelation of God. And we receive that full revelation through Jesus, who represents God. You see, God gives us that revelation and from that understanding, it provokes a response of worship. It provokes a response of a deep desire of knowing Him. It provokes a response to want to draw near to God because we are drawn to the love of God. We are drawn to the life of God. And from then on, this desire to be one with God. There are two things about the light that I want to share with all of us. The first is that the light came from the life of Jesus. Last week, we heard from Pastor Ben that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. In John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, I'll read it out. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, In Him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So brothers and sisters, the light originated from the life of God. The light originated from God's character, which is love, which is righteousness, which is holiness, which is goodness, which is gentleness, which is faithfulness. And God is light. And in Him, there is no darkness at all. There is a profound quality to this light. God is all good, all loving, all righteous. God is not capable of doing wrong doing any evil. And the light is life-giving. 
So every time you receive God's revelation, you receive God's life, you receive God's light, you receive God's life as well. Now, some of us might wonder, why is this light life-giving? Is that a good question? Why is this light life-giving? And this goes to my second sub-point that this light is life-giving because it is full of grace and truth. The Apostle John in John chapter 1, he tries to describe this light of God. And he could use all the words, all the vocab to describe it. But he chose to describe it using two words. Let us read from first, uh, from John chapter 1, verses 14 and verse 17 and verse 18. Okay, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And mark these words, full of grace and truth. And we see again in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God as is in closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. Jesus is full of grace and truth. And I will illustrate this using the story of the woman that was caught in adultery. In John chapter 8, we read from verses 2 to 11, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he began to teach them about many things. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they had a scheme, they had a plan, they want to trap Jesus. And they caught a woman that was in adultery and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap. And Jesus remained calm and he bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, Jesus stood up, he straightened up and said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he went and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. And Jesus asked this woman, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? The woman replied, no one, sir, she said. And I want to focus on these words. Jesus, the only person who could condemn her because he was without sin, said these words, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and live your life of sin. And then Jesus said again, he said, I am the light of the people. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this parable, this story, tells us 
that the law cannot save us. The law only has the purpose of convicting us of our sin. The woman caught in adultery represents all of us. And verse 11 is the key because verse 11 is full of grace and truth. It represents the light that Jesus had shown on the woman. Why is it full of grace? Because Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. You see, grace, the grace of God that is contained in this light, it causes us to receive a pardon. It causes us to receive a pardon from the consequences of our sin. And that pardon was made available through Jesus' atoning sacrifice for us on the cross. That's why Jesus died. And, and there's, a, there's a difference between a pardon and an acquittal. Brothers and sisters, we are not acquitted from our sins. We are not as if we did not commit any sin. We did not go off scot-free, so to speak. But someone else paid for our sins. And that is the revelation to the woman caught in adultery. I want to share the testimony of this brother uh, that whom I shall name as Ellen. This, this brother, you know, I was volunteering with this um, organization called One Hope Center who helps um, brothers and sisters that are trapped in gambling. And because of the addiction, they borrow money from moneylenders and they were harassed by moneylenders and poor Ellen, he was so harassed and he was actually having a lot of mental health issues, he gave his ATM card over to the moneylender to perform illegal transactions. And he owned up to the police, he confessed to the police and you know, the, the, the prosecutors decided to charge him. So we were engaged, I was engaged to, to help Ellen and to seek for, for grace and for mercy. And we wrote to the prosecution to withdraw the charge. And you know what? It's one of the first few occasions in my career that I experienced the miracle of God. The prosecution actually said yes to our request. Because he owned up, because he confessed, because he initiated his plea for mercy. And he was pardoned because of his confession. And I had that privilege to lead Brother Ellen to the Lord just outside the state courts, just after the judge pronounced his charges are withdrawn. In the case of the adulterous woman, for her to receive the pardon, Jesus has to die in her place. And Jesus died the death of a convict because he died in your place and my place. And that's justification. That is the precious blood of Jesus shed for us on the cross. That is the precious body of Jesus that's broken on the cross for us. And that is the beauty of the gospel of grace that you and I are pardoned 
because of Jesus and because of that pardon, we receive the life of Jesus. You and I can become restored, healed, cleansed, and receive the full blessings, your full inheritance that God has for your life. But grace doesn't stop there because Jesus declared, go now and live your life of sin. Go now and live your life of sin. You see, a lot of times we think of grace as, you know, just escaping the consequences. But no, the full extent of grace empowers you and I to live sin and live a fully righteous life. And that's sanctification. You see, a lot of times we cannot you know, appropriate the first half and we leave out the second half because Jesus loves us too much for us to remain who we are. That's grace in His fullness. How about truth? How about truth? You know, the truth is that in verse 11, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1 says that. And the pardon that we receive is an absolute pardon. The blood of Christ is shed for the remission of sins. It is a perfect sacrifice. But again, don't just appropriate the first part and leave out the second part. Go now and live your life of sin. Having been delivered from the curse of sin, we need to walk out that reality. Because the truth is that God cannot tolerate sin. And I believe that's the truth that has to sink in. That's the extent, the full extent of truth that is embodied in the person of Jesus. And if you believe in Jesus, if you appropriate His work on the cross for you and I, we just took communion together, we, we can enlist His help to work out that reality of righteousness that God desires. It is not something that we merely aspire to, but that aspiration is realized as we walk in the grace and in the truth of this revelation. Justification is immediate. Sanctification takes an entire lifetime. But bit by bit, God is in the process of transforming us. Can I have an amen? Hallelujah. You know, the problem of men, the problem of men, what is our problem, you know, in in uh, 1 John 1, verse 6, the problem of dishonesty. Okay, the problem of dishonesty. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Okay, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
these few verses are shared to believers, to the church. And recently, there is this hot potato issue that's happening in my profession that I'm not proud of. And I'll just share the slide. Eleven aspiring lawyers are caught, are caught cheating in the bar exam. And uh, it is very uh, concerning news for the legal profession and all of us are, are I think, rocked to some extent and, and I can also understand, you know, the concern that the public has uh, for this state of affairs. But today I want to focus on, on what Chief Justice, our Chief Justice Menon said uh, in this application to withdraw his, his uh, application to, the, to, to be called to the bar. Chief Justice Menon says that lawyers are ministers in the temple of justice. And it is an indispensable requirement that those who aspire to this calling must demonstrate qualities of honesty and integrity. I fully agree. I fully agree. But if I could just borrow this analogy, if lawyers are ministers in the temple of justice, Christians are ministers in the temple of God. Christians are ministers in the temple of God. And we are called to the highest degree of integrity and honesty before the courts of God himself. In John chapter 18, verse 38, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, Pontius Pilate, in response to the truth of Jesus, Jesus told him that he was born to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate retorted, What is truth? He replied. His attitude is one of disdain, is one of contempt. Truth in this world, it has been politicized, it has been economized, it has been perverted. To Pilate, truth is what the majority says because he is a politician. So although he was satisfied that Jesus did not commit any crime, he still gave him over to be crucified. You see, brothers and sisters, in our society, truth is being redefined on a subjective level. And the world says, let's redefine truth. Let's redefine marriage. No longer between a guy and a girl. Let's redefine gender. Why does it have to be binary? Truth is no longer what God says. Truth becomes what I say. In Romans 1 verse 21, it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. You know, brothers and sisters, 
We live in a reality that is apart from God. We start to worship a God made in our own image. We still live in a reality of intentional sin. Jeremiah says that our hearts are deceitful. And we justify ourselves by saying Jesus paid for our sin. Yes, Jesus paid for our sin, but you know, Jesus paid for our sin not for us to remain in sin, but for us to leave sin entirely. These are strong words from the Apostle John. But you know what? He gives us the solution. What is the solution? That's my third point. The solution is that we need to encounter God through walking in revelation of His grace and His truth. We need to allow the light of God to keep shining in our lives. We need to expose our life to the light of God that shines through Jesus Christ. In verse 7, John says, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Brothers and sisters, Christian living starts with being honest with God. Christian living starts by being honest with God. Verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Pastor John Piper says this, The claim of sinlessness is not only self-deception, it is also blasphemy. It is disrespectful to God. It is a contempt towards God. And I want to share about this story about this woman who heard certain grace teaching in a mega church and she was struck by condemnation over many years. And, and upon hearing the message, she says, I am set free. I'm set free. I'm as righteous as Christ. And that's a good starting point. She says she's set free, but you know what? She still remained a mistress. She still remained in adultery. The grace of God has to empower us for transformation. How many of us desire to hear the voice of God? Can I have a show of hands? Amazing. Me too. And I think that's the number one question. <laughs> the number one question that we have. How do we hear the voice of God? I have a tip for all of us. I have a handle for all of us that we start by being honest with God. We start by treating God as a person because God has feelings. He can be grieved. He sees our weaknesses. 
and to the degree that we are open about our own weaknesses, to the degree that we are open about our own shortcomings, about our own sin, you know what? You invite Him to come in to empower you. To empower you and me to live a victorious life. My last point, even as I invite the worship team to come up, confession is where the blessing begins. Confession is where the blessing begins. And the Apostle John exhorts all believers to confess our sins. And if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is where the blessing of God starts in your life, that when the filth in our lives, where the things that grieve God in our lives are removed, guess what? Guess what? That's where revival starts. That's where God to pour, starts to pour forth and pour out His blessings into our lives. You see, verse 7 literally reads, the blood of Jesus, His Son, keeps cleansing us from all sin. Verse 9 says, if we are continually confessing our sins, continually confessing our sins, it's in the present continuous tense. And John wrote, to all believers who have been fully forgiven. You may, you may think, you know, some of us might wonder, why are we supposed to seek God's forgiveness if He has already justified us? You see, if justification takes care of past, present and future sin so that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, why do we need to continually pray for forgiveness Aren't you praying for something that is already yours? And I think that's a great question. And I can't put it better than what Reverend John MacArthur did in his book, The Freedom and Power of Forgiveness. The answer is that divine forgiveness has two aspects. One is the judicial forgiveness God grants as judge. It's the forgiveness God purchased for us by Christ's atonement for our sin. The kind of forgiveness that frees you from any threat of eternal condemnation is the forgiveness of justification. You know, such pardon is immediately complete. You never ever need to seek that kind of pardon again. The other kind of forgiveness is what we call parental forgiveness that God grants you as father. Can God be grieved when his children sin? Absolutely. Absolutely, brothers and sisters. And when we sin, God is grieved. So the forgiveness of justification can take care of the judicial guilt. It does not nullify his fatherly displeasure over our sin. And, and, and Hebrews 12 says that he chastens those whom he loves for their good, 
So very quickly, brothers and sisters, judicial forgiveness, it deals with sin's penalty. But parental forgiveness, it deals with sin's consequences. Judicial forgiveness frees us from the condemnation of the righteous, omniscient judge. But parental forgiveness sets things right with a grieving and displeased but loving father. Judicial forgiveness provides an unshakable standing before the throne of divine judgment. But parental forgiveness deals with the state of our sanctification at any given moment and is dispensed from a throne of divine grace. Brothers and sisters, the forgiveness we are supposed to seek in our daily life is not pardoned from an angry judge. It's not pardoned from an angry judge, but mercy from a grief father. Remorse over sin, daily confession, and a continual attitude of repentance are marks of a healthy Christian life. Let us start with the promise. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness, cleansing. Brothers and sisters, these promises are as refreshing to the sinner as a cold drink of water to a thirsty man. And from that place, we receive healing. We receive restoration. We receive blessings. I just want to lead all of us into a time of repentance and confession. I just want to just invite all of us to stand in this place. You know, brothers and sisters, I don't speak as someone who is out of this. I, I speak as one of us, you know. And in the last few years, I just want to share very, very authentically with you that God is leading me on a journey of honesty before Him. You know, when I first came out to serve as, as elders chairman, a lot, I experienced a lot of spiritual attacks, one, one after another. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm entering into a boxing ring, you know, and I could only do this, you know, as the devil just keep inflicting blows on me. And I realized that it's because there are a lot of open doors in my life. And I began to seek God and I began to be honest with God. You know, it's, it's not that I'm dealing with overt sin or really, you know, in your face, immorality. I'm not dealing with addiction, okay? But it is about the subtler things. It is about the insidious things that have crept into my heart. It is about the pride of my heart. It is about the lust of the flesh. It is about the dissociation in me. It is about the selfishness in me. And God led me on this journey where I had to say sorry to Him. And I have to say sorry to a lot of people. You know, I have to say sorry to, you know, my ex-mentor. I have to say sorry to my brother. I have to say sorry to the church. Okay, and come to grab that I'm still a sinner. But you know what? I am covered by grace. I am covered by grace. 
So brothers and sisters, if any one of you is dealing with condemnation this morning, I want to assure you that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. God doesn't condemn us. But take that truth and take that grace to its full, to its fullest in confession. Be honest before God. And once we confess of our sins, His grace and His truth comes over us. And we get healed, we get sanctified, we get restored, we get forgiven. So I just want to lead us in a time, as I pass over the time to Jen Singh, to lead us in a response song. And I want to, to especially invite those of us that are convicted. You know, you may not be dealing with any serious sin, but if you feel touched and you want to have a fresh touch from God, you want a fresh breakthrough in your life, I want you to invite you to come to the altar. And we are all going to confess before the Lord. Mercy, you've shown me mercy. It's your blood that rescued me. And kindness, you've poured out kindness while we were in your ways put in me the fear of your name the fire of God the flame of love purify my heart on the altar I'll bring my life sacrifice only for you God I surrender holy holy come make me holy I want in your ways put in me the fear of your name the fire of God the flame of love purify my heart on the altar I'll bring my life a sacrifice only for you God I surrender I love me make me holy 
purify me with the fire in my eyes. Refine me, make me holy. Purify me with the fire in your eyes. Refine me, make me holy. Purify me the fire in your eyes refine me make me holy purify me with the fire in your eyes just want to invite just make a last clarion call to any of us any of us that feels convicted and if this message is speaking to you I want you I want you to come I want to invite you to come because I'm coming to the altar I'm coming to the altar to receive from God. I'm coming to the altar uh, to, to receive forgiveness and cleansing and blessing and restoration from God. So I just want any one of you who feels convicted and if there's any issue in your life that needs a breakthrough, I want to invite all of us to come to the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Lord, just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you for your life and your light that is shining, that is shining on our church right now. And God, a deeper glimpse of the grace and the truth that is shown through the life of Jesus. God, convict us of our hearts. Convict us our hearts of the sin in our life of the insidious things that have crept into our lives. Lord, our marriage, our parenting, Lord, our pride, God, our addictions. And Lord, I pray that the grace of God that will flood in our hearts, that brings not condemnation, but conviction. Conviction, hallelujah. And God, I, I, I confess for my own sin and I confess on my own unrighteousness and brothers and sisters I just want to invite you to do the same to be honest before God to be honest before God and to enter into a time of confession enter into a time of confession as the Lord convicts you your weaknesses hallelujah your shortcomings Maybe it's the way you treat your wife. Maybe it's the way you talk to your children. Maybe it's the way you engage your parents. Father, Father, Lord, come. Lord, bring us to a place of honesty before you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord and God, we appropriate your forgiveness. Lord, we appropriate, Lord, your cleansing. Lord, we receive your restoration. We receive your blessing, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And all God's people say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a big hand. Give the Lord a big hand. 
You know, if you are in front and you, you need ministry, please don't feel in a hurry to go. We, our pastors will pray for you and I just want to all of us to, to just raise our hands to receive the benediction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May the grace of God our Father, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship and empowerment of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us today until we meet again. In the name of our precious Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed Sunday, guys. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.